Hey, y'all. I'm Casey Bell of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Hey, welcome back. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Stephen Green. He's the success doctor. He's an author, educator, and founder of Make the Grade, a tutoring education training company. Today, we're talking about you know some of those strategies and such that uh, help your kids be successful on those high-stakes tests and, uh, and just in class in general, as well as we're going to focus on his book, Maximum Education, The Ultimate Guide to Reaching Your Academic Goals. Thanks for being here today. Lots to learn. Enjoy. <music> You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Stephen Green, the success doctor, is an author, educator, and founder of Make the Grade, a tutoring education training company. A lifelong educator, Dr. Green holds a state teaching certificate in comprehensive science and has taught math and science at the middle school, high school, public and independent, and university level. Over the past 23 years, Stephen has worked with over 11,000 students and their families, as well as entrepreneurs, helping them achieve personal success and reach their goals with education. Make the Grade provides individualized support for students and their families and specializes in all areas of math, science, and test preparation. His program also assists with the college admissions process, study skills, and time management. Stephen is also the author of the book, Maximum Education, The Ultimate Guide to Reaching Your Academic Goals. His personal interests include music, playing the guitar and piano, and composing original music, as well as martial arts, where he's earning a black belt in Taekwondo. Dr. Green work, continues to work with students full-time, face-to-face, in his office, and all over the U.S. and internationally, using an online-based classroom. Stephen, thanks for joining me today, and say hi to everyone. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me, and welcome. Well, glad that you're here, and, uh, and I appreciate it, and, uh, you know, before we get into make the grade, let's talk about teaching and working with kids. What did you like most about teaching kids? Well, the bottom line is it just makes you feel good. You know, I, I think there's a gratification that comes from working with people, not, not just children, but as a teacher, you're primarily working with children and seeing them progress, uh, seeing them maybe struggle a little bit or maybe a lot to a point where they're competent, to the point where they can work independently, to the point where they can master things. I think that's a feeling every teacher has, has had and, and to some degree what drives us. Um, I love to see people who have short-term goals and long-term goals and, 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 and work towards them and, and set up plans to get there. So this is something that never gets old for me. Um, you know, I've been teaching a long time. I've worked with people forever. But it, it, no matter where you are, there's always somebody that is at point A and needs to get to point B. And, and I think that's why we do it. And I know that's why I do it. So that's, that's, that's it. It's very that's simple. Awesome. It's very simple that way. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, uh, you know, it's hard to explain to someone who's never worked with kids and never t- taught, instructed, um, tutored, whatever, when they start getting it or they find some interest or they get excited about something. There's, there's so many different levels of that. That that's the, to me, that's the coolest part. It's, it's, absolutely. Yes. 
Well, on your website, you have a section that is devoted to explaining why one-on-one -on -one tutoring is important. Can you talk a little bit about this with me? Well, I think most people's experience in education is in a classroom, uh, which is a natural thing because that's how our school systems are, are set up. Uh, often you might have one teacher with 20, 30 students, and it's difficult for the teacher to give individualized attention to, to any of the students, really. And that's absolutely not a knock on the teacher. It's just the reality of the circumstance. So the real strength of one-on-one -on -one tutoring, in, in my opinion, is the ability of the instructor to teach at the level that the student has the greatest ability to understand and the greatest likelihood of mastering the material. Um, without getting into the science, you know, everybody has a different learning style. And I'm sure you're familiar, but some people are visual, some are auditory, so on and so on. And I think a good instructor one-on-one -on -one can sense this in a student, evaluate it in a student, and then use the, the methodologies that are best suited to being able to reach the student that way. There's another side of it too, which is just an efficiency. Um, there's only so quickly you can work in a classroom setting in a one-on-one -on -one lesson or a one-on-one -on -one setting, you can cover a lot more material, typically in a shorting amount of time, shorter amount of time. So learning comprehension, understanding, and, and by extension, confidence tend to happen more quickly. And I find they last longer. I don't really have any science to back that up per se, but in my experience, anecdotally, they do. Um, I think the other side of it is one-on-one, -on -one, it's much easier for a tutor or an instructor to assess what the student's needs are. And therefore, it's easier to set up a plan to help them. So one-on-one -on -one isn't the most efficient way to do things all the time, but I think it's the most effective. So to me, the efficiency uh, or the inefficiency is outweighed by the effectiveness. That's awesome. You know, what, what's interesting, I know in my own personal experience that uh, having a tutor help me, it sometimes... It, it takes away some of the distractions and other things that might be going on. And you pay a little more attention or notice when you're not uh, paying attention, I guess. Yeah, well, there's no place to hide when you're working one-on-one -on -one with someone. <laughs> Either side, you know, tutors got to be on their game. Students got to be on their game. Uh, you can't be staring out the window or whatever, you know, in the classroom, like some people are able to do, unfortunately, but yep. Yeah. It's not, it's not like that. I mean, I was, you know, as a kid, I, I discovered that I could, I was very good at looking like I was paying attention, you know, <laughs> And my mind's somewhere else, but I sure look like I'm doing well. That's, that's a learn. That's a skill. That's, that's not something you should. You should, you should be proud of that. Yeah, unfortunately, it uh, it came back to haunt me in college. But hey, you know, it's one of those things. It, uh, it's 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 a learned skill. Well, yeah. as an educator, I'm sure you go to a lot of meetings, and sometimes they're not the most uh, compelling <laughs> hour of your life. So you learn to look like you're focused <laughs> in and things like that, but. Yes, I can say that it carried that's over. Another, into the adult that's another discussion. <laughs> yes, because it definitely carried over into the adult world. So, yeah. so let's talk a little bit about what you do. Um, could you share a little bit about the type of assistance that you provide and uh, what else? Because um, part of it is focused on SAT and ACT assistance. What, what other types of, of tutoring do you do? And talk a little bit about uh, um, what types of support that you do to, to help kids be successful on these tests. I, in my own caseload, uh, I provide help for any area of math, any area of science, in addition to the SAT and ACT preparation. And then I also do a lot of work based on the book, which is essentially more of a study skills, time management, information management, daily action 
type of, of curriculum, but I, I tend to interlace them. So I might use a time management piece while I'm teaching algebra or an information management piece while I'm teaching chemistry or, or what have you. But that's, that's the core uh, subject matter that I typically get asked to do, which is what I'm trained in. That's what my teaching certification and my classroom experiences are in these things. So it's, this is kind of my wheelhouse that way. Very cool. The, uh, you know, it's uh, one of the things that uh, as people are listening, they might be thinking about and uh, whether they're teachers or administrators or uh, whatever their role is, at some point they come in contact with parents and kids who, uh, who are looking for help in these different areas and uh, in, in many subjects as well as with test prep and so forth. Um, how does this work? I mean, what would someone who seeks help from you expect to happen when they uh, start working? Well, I, I, in my f- workflow, number one is we need to do some sort of assessment uh, to determine where, where the student is. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And, and then the, that gets coupled in with looking at their goals. So we need to know where we are, where we're starting. And then we need to know where do we want to get. And then there's gradations along the way because there's going to be short-term goals the next day, even a week later. And you may have long-term goals, monthly, yearly, and so on. Um, So at least in my case, I think the expectation would be, A, to have a clear plan of what we're going to do, not based on something random, but based on some actual information that we can accumulate through working together uh, and and maybe testing and, and things like this. The other thing, at least I pride myself on, is trying to give a lot of feedback to the parents and to the students Um, because this is a team effort, right? If I am working with a student, maybe a student is brought to me or they come to me and they're struggling with the math class, they're only going to be with me a certain amount of time, typically a half hour, an hour at a time, but they still got to go home the other 23 hours of the day. And it's important to have everybody on the same page in terms of support and everybody knowing what's going on. So the, 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 the solution to that is, is to make sure the parents are in the loop. And sometimes that's multiple parents because unfortunately there's a lot of divorce settings where there's multiple households kids are involved in. But, but the point is to have everybody in the situation on the same page and understanding the goals and understanding the process to get there. So there's an aspect to it that, sets up what we're going to do. There's an aspect to it of trying to figure out as clearly as we can where we want to get. And there's an aspect to make sure everybody's working together to get there. The onus is on me to drive this. Uh, but as long as there's cooperation on the other levels, it, it tends to work very well. Very cool. So you've worked with a lot of kids. What are some of the, the main stumbling blocks that come into work? What, what, are there some commonalities that you see as issues or the challenges that you kind of have to help them overcome that may not have nothing to do with math or, or, uh, uh, well, it's, it's actually a really interesting question. And I, I kind of evaluate that myself. Number one, I don't think many people, let alone students have a plan. I don't think a lot of people wake up in the morning saying, well, you know, I'm going to do this at nine o'clock, this at 10, this 11. And, and as we both know, by, by definition, school is very structured that way. And um, so the school day is laid out for them for the most part. But I don't think when they're on their own, they necessarily have a system, which not to 
kind of toot my own horn here, but, but is, is essentially what the book really teaches people to have, is to have a system, daily plan to get things done. So one of the things I see is just is it an inefficiency, and I, I, I've used that word a lot already, but it's just so common. There's also motivational issues, lack of motivation. You know, honestly, some kids don't really care. Um, what's the difference if I get a B or a C or a D? Uh, you get that sort of thing sometimes. The other thing is sometimes people just aren't interested. You know, I get kids who love math but don't want to read anything. So they get A's and B's in math and then really struggle grade-wise in history and English because they don't want to, they don't want to do what it have to, they have to do to absorb the information. Um, but I think if I had to pick one thing, it, it's a lack of having systems. Kids who even want to be successful and have the motivation and have the drive and have the support just don't always have the tools. They, they don't have the personal uh, kind of day-to-day skill set to get that. And, and frankly, that's not usually taught in school. It's not a curriculum item. Um, so they really have to develop it on their own. Sometimes they get it at home. Sometimes they don't. Uh, but I think that's a little bit of a challenge. It's not necessarily difficult to correct, but, but it, it's an awareness and it needs to be addressed. And that's, you know, where, where I'm kind of coming from with it. So that's what I would say for this. You know, one of the things that I want to make sure that I ask you is that, um, how does, how does someone, what's that first step they have to take with you? I mean, do they go look at your website, they go look at, uh, um, whatever they send you an email, they, uh, Call you up. I mean, how did how did they? Uh, what's what's step number one to, to think about engaging you and helping their their student uh, do better? The, the the first step is always a conversation. I need to understand what they need, so I have a series of questions I ask, and um, based on those questions, sometimes I'm just not the right person. I may know another professional, or I may know another person who is. But presuming I'm a fit for what they want, the second step would be to set up a, a meeting or it now could be face-to-face or online. I'm, I'm lucky to work with people literally all over the world. But, um, but, but step one is, is an evaluation. What, what's going on? What's the struggle? How long has the struggle been happening? Maybe the parent has input why the struggle is happening. Uh, things like that. Step two would be a conversation, and I guess more of a commitment to the process. Uh, In my case, the majority of my new students are usually referred from existing students. So there's usually some amount of simpatico when I, when I have that first conversation. Um, But once we decide to to get to work, what I'd like to do is do a sample lesson. I like to work with the student for a little while and, and make sure we have a good fit. And, and I don't need to be best friends with the student. I don't think that's my role, but I do think we need some rapport. I think they need to be able to be pushed. And if somebody doesn't like you or they don't respect you, you can't push them to work towards their goals. And you can't kind of urge them through things that they're not comfortable with. So there's a little bit of that as well. But I think to, to answer your question really directly, the first thing typically is a conversation to clarify what the, what the problem is, what the challenge is, and, and really what our primary circumstances. Often I give people multiple problems. You know, my kids fail in math, he hates history, he doesn't go to school. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you've got to pick your poison and, and right. you've got to just put out the biggest fire. 
Um, and that happens the most when people call you two days before a final or something. But <laughs> assuming this is more of, a, of a, something we can work on over some amount of time, that's where it would begin. Well, cool. So, you know, one of the things that, uh, and, and I know I, I wanted to make sure I asked those questions because that's, that's something that a lot of times I think uh, uh, people don't know where to start. What do, what do I do? How do I, how do I go about this? Mm -hmm. and, and what's interesting about, you know, one of the things that's real interesting about what you're talking about is that it is an issue where um, there need, does need to be some rapport. And if you've got a, something going on, lots of problems, and, you know, I don't know if you are a miracle worker or not, but calling two nights before the final exam may not be the best timing. <laughs> That's a bigger challenge. Well, let me, let me say this is I think there was a point in time, I don't know, 20, 30, 50 years ago, whatever, where there was a negative association with asking for help academically or for asking for a tutor. I think the assumption was if somebody had to get a tutor, they were dumb. There was, they were, you know, whatever, use whatever word you want. You, know, you got to be kind of politically correct now with language in the schools. But there, there was a stigma that asking for help was an admission of, of some inadequacy or whatever. Um, that I don't think that's the case anymore. At least, at least in in some places, I have some kids that come to me that are A students, and you would say, why is this person getting support when they're basically running the table with their grades? And, and, the, and sometimes it's more just the, the net. The, the, like these are people that go to school. After school, they go to sports. After sports, they go to meetings. After that, they've got four hours of homework, blah, blah, blah. There's just not enough hours in the day. So sometimes it isn't that they're struggling or there's any singular thing. It's just the aggregate of all the stuff they have going on in their lives that, that is, is just overloading. And uh, it isn't necessarily a singular academic concern it's just fitting everything in you know to the 24 hours they need 26 hours in a day so i think that's something that because parents of most of the kids are coming from a generation where this was their mindset you know you get a 35 40 50 year old person when they were 16 15 12 whatever that was the mindset that most people had about tutors so they've carried that thinking through with them uh, which i completely understand. And this is why I think this initial conversation and putting people at ease and really explaining to them what we're going to do and make it clear that way is important because it overcomes that, uh, that concern, or at least hopefully, hopefully partially overcomes it. So I, I think that's an important thing. It's kind of a bedside manner thing because there is a lot of handholding sometimes with this stuff uh, as well. But I think that's something that that sometimes is, is tough. You know, when you only have, you're working, you know, you got a business you're trying to run, you're doing whatever you got to do. Uh, you don't always have time for all this stuff, like the human part of it. So that's a piece I try to always remember as well. That's awesome. That's you know, there's the human element is so uh, you know it is part of that tricky piece because it's like you know when you're working with a, a student. And if there's something going on in the family, whatever, it may not be personal. The kid may even tell you, like, it's not personal, but I'm a little distracted by whatever. And you're like, oh. Well, no, it, it, and listen, just like most people have their favorite students or have their favorite teacher, a lot of teachers have students they remember as well, you know, for sometimes good reasons. Sometimes you remember the obstreperous ones. But, um, you know, it, it's just a natural relationship that builds student-teacher. So, but, but I think that's a piece – 
whether you're in a classroom, whether you're one-on-one, it, it sometimes gets left out. Maybe not consciously or purposely, but because, hey, we got all this stuff to do. We got to do. We got to cape on deadlines and such and such. And, and I always try to at least remind myself of that. Maybe not perfectly, but that's my goal. That's good. That's uh, excellent because that is something that if that gets left out, then then you miss the cues when it's, you know, you may miss a huge cue about why the, the student's not focusing or whatever when it's, it could be easily, mm-hmm. if nothing else, addressed um, so that it, it doesn't become a like beating your head against a wall type thing. So good stuff. The, uh, let's shift gears to your book. You have a book called Maximum Education, The Ultimate Guide to Reaching Your Academic Goals. And yeah. I have to say that you have some funny comments in your intro or the preface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it all has to do with when you were sharing about people's reactions to you saying you're, you're talking about how you were telling people you're going to write a book and they started telling you all these reasons why, uh, you know, you probably don't want to write a book. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite was uh, this one, which was uh, who would pay attention to you? <laughs> yeah, who would listen to me? <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about? Uh, We're about still asking, still asking that question. Nice. Uh, now, I uh, what you're saying is basically what it is. Uh, I the genesis of this book it was kind of came from a lot of things I had done before. I had made worksheets for kids and things like this. And at one point, I kind of put them all together. There's a more elaborate story, but we'll save that for the sequel to this, this uh, discussion, but, but you're right. I, I went around cause I needed, I got a book. I need to get my book out there. So I went to everybody knew him writing a book. I was all fired up. I was excited. I put a lot of time into it. So the first question people said was, what's the book about? My answer was education, how to study. Well, they, they went from whatever positive look they had on their face to just like, Oh, <laughs> education. Who wants to read about education? That's boring. Nice. Um, yeah, I think they thought I was going to write like the next great Harry Potter series or John Grisham series or whatever. Um, but no, it, it's about education. It's, it's really about being a more productive student. Um, people would say all kinds of things. Aren't there a million education books already? And uh, who's going to read it and who would pay attention to you as, as you pointed out. Um, but the reason I stuck with it, and the reason I still stick with it is because I always felt that I, the voice of the book and, and the tone of the book is, is something that's a level that's very understandable to the person who's reading it and who has to put into action. Uh, one of the things it says later in the book is this is about actionable things. I, I want people to go pick up my book, which I'm actually holding here. You can't see that in podcast land, but uh, pick up the book and read two pages, five pages, even one page, and actually have some active process that they could then put into place right then, whether it's helping them make an outline or take notes in class or listen better, or whatever it happens to be. That was always my goal. And you know, I, I have two kids. They're a little older now. But when I was writing the book and formulating the book, my kids were in to frame this uh, like uh, sixth grade, eighth grade, somewhere in there. So they were at that point where they didn't want to listen to me. <laughs> uh, I was a parent, you know, what do, what do I know? Uh, and that's a whole nother discussion. But, um, but I observed, you know, I was always a good observer and I was always a good listener. And, and, and so I thought, okay, if they're not going to listen to me, maybe they'll, look, they'll listen to it in the book. So if I can write it at the level with language and, and the, uh, I don't want to say simplicity, but kind of ex- explainability 
that anybody could understand, I, I think it'll, it'll be more valuable to people. So that, that's really where it came from. You know, it, it, there were definitely naysayers and, and some of them more uh, violent in their naysaying than others. But, but really what they didn't understand was they looked at it at only one level and they didn't look at it as, as a tool for people to, to use. And um, that was my goal is this to be understandable to the student, understandable to a parent, something people could take action on, like I said, right away to create positive outcomes. And um, I, I knew this because having been in tutoring and in classroom for many years at this point already, I, I just saw it. You know, I, I saw this was there. This was a, a ubiquitous common thing that was happening. So the whole idea was that people could maximize their time and effort, hence the name Maximum Education. So that's how it kind of all came together. Very cool. Excellent tool. The, uh, it's got some great ideas in it, and it is easy to read, and I think it's easy to use. You get the idea to help you do what you need to, and, and, and which is going to bring me to, let's talk a little bit about some of the content in it. You know, one of the things you, you talk about in the very beginning is CAP. C-A-P. Can you explain a little bit about that? C-A-P, yes. C-A-P is an uh, abbreviation for C, confidence, A, attitude, P, preparation. Because to me, if you have all three of them, your, your success is, is just a matter of, of time. So the whole mission, the, my, the mission of my business, it's right on the webpage, is to develop confidence in someone's ability to handle academic material. Uh, through a good and positive attitude that's supported and strengthened by consistent systems that's well-planned and well-executed preparation. So when everybody gets off course and, and the inevitable challenges that come up, hey, where's your confidence level here? Well, yeah, where's your confidence level here? Great. Okay, how's your attitude? Are, are you willing to take on the challenge? If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? I forget what movie that's from, but probably more than one. But if it was so easy, everybody do it. You, you know you're going to have rough spots. And so now you got your confidence. You're willing to work through. You're going to keep your attitude where it is. And you still got to be prepared. You can be as confident as you want. You got the best attitude in the world. If you don't know your material, you, you know, you're not going to get the result you want on an exam. So CAP is, is kind of the, a quick way for somebody to just remind themselves uh, how to stay on course. That's, that's where that came from. So thanks. What one of the things okay. that I uh, what I want to do now is uh, you know also in your book you have this this section that is really cool about homework tracking. Can you talk about uh, why it's an important strategy and what it is? Absolutely. Uh, there are three major tenets in the book. One of which is information management and homework tracking. The other two being time management and the, the daily action plan. But it really starts with being able to track what you have to do. If somebody comes home from school and doesn't know what they need to do, where, where, where do you go from there, right? You're, you're kind of sunk. So homework tracking, in, in my definition, is, is not just writing down your homework. I guess anybody can do that and should do that in school, but it's going beyond that. So homework tracking starts with writing down your homework. From there, it expands. So now we write down the homework. And we think, all right, when is this due? Is it due tomorrow? Is it due in three days? Is it due next week? Is it, is it a long-term project? Am I the only one responsible? Uh, maybe there's a group project. Maybe there's pieces of something else other people need to do. Or 
or they're responsible for. So the start of it is getting everything in one place. The second piece is figuring out how that's going to fit in to your next day or two or, or even a week. Then we start to prioritize. We say, all right, what do I need to do first? What do I need to do second, third, fourth, so on and so on. Then to me, homework should never just include what's due the next day. That's one of my big pet peeves with students is, yeah, I did all my homework. Yeah, but today's Tuesday. I got a quiz Friday. Yeah, I'll study for that Thursday night. Uh, I don't like to hear that, but I get it. But, but what I like to see is, hey, today's Tuesday, and I got a quiz Friday, so I'm going to get all my stuff that's done tomorrow. That's all that's due Wednesday first. Then I'm going to take a little bit extra time, and let's, let's just start to prepare for this quiz on Friday. Or maybe let's start to do an outline for a paper due next week. Or let's review for a test that's coming up. Things like that. So the tracking um, includes all of that. It includes the, the, the uh, putting it all in one place, the short term and the long term. It's simple. It's powerful when it's done right. But the whole key is when you do it every day, it generates a tremendous amount of positive momentum and it just makes everything easier for the student. And that's really the goal. That's the whole point of maximum education, at least to me. That's excellent. I mean, it's, it, I, I would think it uh, would work for adults too. You don't have to be, if you just insert uh, projects or tasks that you have to accomplish in there, not just, not just uh, homework. So. It's completely parallel. In fact, I, I am, I don't want to, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> there is a, a version of maximum education that, that is out there for entrepreneurs and for business people. Uh, it's getting a little off topic, but one of my visions is to have a bunch of these maximum education for students, maximum education for college students, maximum education for entrepreneurs, maximum education for attorneys, whatever, because the principles are universal. We can all use them. I use them in my own life. I try to be a good example. Um, not always perfect, but, but that's the idea. You're absolutely right. And um, the, 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 the real important thing here, though, is if we can teach people, if we can teach young people, students, when they're 6, 8, 10, 12, these habits, they're going to carry through. These are things that are going to go beyond necessarily the, the, the English story they read in 7th grade and maybe the science they learned in 9th grade or the math they learned in 11th grade. These habits of being able to manage time, getting things done. These are valuable skills down the road, whether they're employers, business owners, these are things that they're going to have to be able to do. So why not teach it to them along the way? It doesn't replace education. It, it, it's a, it's a kind of a, a side piece that helps it, enhances it. It's really an enhancement. So. All right. Excellent. So I, you know, one of the things that, I, and I, that's cool that you have it for, and I like, like your vision that you have this idea for maximum education for these different areas of our, of our world. So that's, that's cool that yeah. you have for uh, entrepreneurs. Big, good stuff. The, uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to make sure is that a, there, you have several different strategies that you highlight in there. One of them is note-taking. And, you know, note-taking is a skill that mm -hmm. requires uh, some effort to learn a little bit. Can you just talk a little bit about why doing well at note-taking is a good thing? Something people need practice? I define note-taking as your record as a student of what happened in the class. Uh, it can be the most obvious thing, which is writing down what the teacher said or augmenting a note or a worksheet that the teacher handed out. Um, but it, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. And what's hard, what's challenging is simultaneously being a good listener 
and a good writer and a good note taker. That's what's tricky. And I've had plenty of students, hundreds say to me, if I listen really well and I really understand what the teacher's saying, I can't keep up with the notes. I just can't write fast enough. Right. But if I'm taking all the notes, then I'm always like three sentences behind the teacher and I start to miss things. So one of the things I teach are, are alter- well, I'm going to call them alternative because they're not sort of the traditional style of taking notes. And there's, there's plenty of them. And, and some are visually based. They're kind of cool looking when you see sort of finished versions of them. Um, but but note taking is important because it's a record of what you were supposed to at least have learned during the class. And if they're incomplete or non-existent <laughs> in some cases, uh, what are you going to use to study later? So it, it, the, tr- the hard part, as I already said, is the combination of the two skills, writing and listening. I, I, I've never really decided if you could only do one, which is better. I'm not sure what your opinion is on that as a longtime educator as well. But in the end, the expectations, the student has to come out of the class with the lessons and the objectives that the teacher was intending to teach, right? Yes. So a st- when a student has five, six, seven classes a day, they may not remember all them at least not in the way the teacher stressed them. And that's where the notes have to fill in the gap on that. But, but the notes have to be accurate. You know, notes have to be an accurate representation of what was going on in the class. Um, they have to be neat. I've seen people bring notes over to my office. I, I can't read them. <laughs> and like right. most teachers, we're sort of de facto experts on reading really terrible, illegible handwriting. Uh, Sometimes there's arrows pointing over to place or stuff crossed out. There's like those little carrots underneath where they want to put a word in. And, you know, I think you know where I'm going with this. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, but, but it's like all things. It's like all things. The more you do it and the more you practice it, the better you get at it. And uh, I've done drills with kids and I've done workshops. Where I actually will kind of mock lecture and him practice taking notes. And I'll teach him three or four or five different ways to do it. And I'll do the exact same little mini lecture five times. They'll show them five different ways to record it. And I mean, record on a tape recorder or whatever, a phone, I guess now. Uh, I mean, like handwriting and, and things like that. So in the end, the more skills you have and the more technique you have and the more practice you have doing it, the better you're going to get at it. So that's the key. The problem is, if you go back to our previous uh, question a few ago about the homework tracking, how can you do your homework effectively if you didn't understand or you didn't get what was going on in the class? Then you end up having to reteach it to yourself. That's even harder. And that's when people start to get discouraged. They start to fall behind. It's really difficult to catch up. Uh, That's when the wheels start to come off a little bit, unfortunately. That's, That's, you know, no, it's, I mean, that's the goal to avoid that, but yeah. That's good stuff. Cause I know it's, it's a skill that sometimes we forget that it really needs to be taught. Because uh, a lot of kids do not understand and they end up trying to copy everything the teacher's saying or they end up uh, thinking everything's important or, you know, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of things that happen there if they've not had somebody help them understand how to do it. And I think that's pretty cool that you, you, you spent some time on that area. Uh, yeah, we're, we're well, go, go ahead. Well, the, last, the thing I just want to say is I want to be clear. I'm not knocking anything going on in education because having been a teacher, there's a lot of challenges you have managing a classroom and just teaching a class. So, you know, this is nothing negative about educators, but the curriculum typically doesn't include most of these things. And, and frankly, I'm not sure that it should. Uh, note-taking, outlining, um, you know, listening skills, these are not curriculum items. It's assumed a student's going to figure that out. 
And, and I, I think it's worth putting some attention into it, at least outside of the class. And this is really where the book comes in. It's not the title of the book. It's not the title of any chapters, but sort of underneath it's what it's teaching. And uh, I, I've observed a lot of kids, when you get a parent says, you know, oh, that, that, my neighbor's kid, they're just naturally smart. You know, my kid has to work. They get the same grades, but my kid has to work for them. And, you know, my neighbor's kid, she's just smart. What does that really mean? I mean, are they literally more intelligent? I don't know. Maybe they just figured out how to kind of work the system a little bit better. Or maybe they developed some of these supporting skills that are critical sooner or more effectively or more efficiently. So one of my missions is to give everybody these skill sets so everybody's on an equal playing field. That's excellent. That's, you know, it's uh, being able to, to develop the skills that you don't know. And, you know, some, some of what fits in there is you don't know what you don't know until you realize you don't know. (laughs) Absolutely. And then you forget it. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And you figure it out and then you forget it. Exactly. (laughs) That happens later. That happens when you get older. (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, well, as we're getting close to closing here, what I want to make sure that we get a chance to do is, uh, um, if someone wanted to connect further with you, where would you send them? Well, my, the website for my business is www.makethegrade.net. So it's M-A-K-E-T-H-E-G-R-A-D-E.net, not .com, .net. I have a separate website for the book, which is maximumeducation.net, which is probably the two simplest places to go. Uh, if somebody wants to reach out directly, my email is S-G-R-E-E-N-E. It's like the color with an E on the end because my mom used to say we are extra special. Um, but it's sgreen at makethegrade.net. Um, they could also, if they're app for social media, I have a Facebook community which is titled, guess what, Make the Grade. Um, Instagram, all that stuff. I have my own podcast which is also Make the Grade. Um, but I think that the, probably I'd point them first to the Make the Grade website. And then if they wanted to have a conversation with me, just email me. Uh, I, you know, I have a bandwidth. There's only so much I can do. But ultimately, this is about a personal relationship. So that's what I would encourage. Excellent. They, uh, and I'll make sure that all those are listed in my show notes. So those of you who are driving, exercising, riding a bike, you know, skateboarding, whatever it is you're doing out there, we got uh, you, you just well, go to the show taking notes. notes. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe they're taking notes. <laughs> go to my show notes page and I'll, I'll have yeah, those. There you go. <laughs> so that would be cool. Yes. And one of the things I want to make sure that I highlight here is that you have something, you have something cool coming up on your Facebook page. Don't you, you have uh, um, some free activity? I, I do. I, I, yeah. In fact, anybody, anybody out there in the listening world on August 26th, uh, which I'm not sure when this will publish, but uh, I do them somewhat frequently. If you check the Facebook page out, I'm doing a Facebook live event uh, entitled how to start the school year off on your best foot, uh, maximizing is that word again, uh, you know, your school experience. And I'm just going to share as a lot of ideas, a lot of the ideas that are in the book. Um, and, and the goal is actionable things. That's what it's always about. Uh, it's intended for parents and students really at the same time. And again, it goes back to that theme I had in the beginning of, of everybody being on the same team. So it's free. Everybody's welcome. Um, there will be a Q&A. People can ask questions about their own particular case as much as they choose to share. Uh, but the goal is takeaways. 
hey, I just learned something. I was on this Facebook Live, and now we're trying this or we're putting this into action. So please join me. Excellent. So uh, keep that in mind, August 26th, Facebook Live, and uh, they just uh, follow yep. your uh, Facebook page. Is that uh, the best way to get to it? Yeah, if you, get it, if you go to the Facebook and search Make the Grade, you should find it, or if they can't find it, email me, and I'll figure out a way to get you there. I'm old school. I'm not a real social media <laughs> aficionado, but in this day and age, you kind of have to at least be there. And uh, the point of the community is, is for support. You know, it, it's there so people can come in and ask questions. And there's a lot of peer to peer things. There's a lot of other parents in there that are giving advice to other parents. So it's created kind of almost a life of its own, which I find really cool. Excellent. I'm very supportive of that. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So, Real quick, one of the things you mentioned that uh, we hadn't talked about yet is that uh, you want to share a little bit about your podcast? What, what do they find there? And uh, what's, what's kind of like your the focus? The theme of the podcast, uh, I'm, I try to be really consistent. The theme of the podcast is, is to give ideas that people can put into action. Uh, you know, sometimes you end up talking for 25 minutes and it really boils down to one thing. Uh, but that's the goal. It's education-based, obviously. Um, but sometimes I'll talk about things from the book. Sometimes I'll talk about topical things in math and science. Sometimes I'll talk about test prep techniques. Uh, I did one recently on, on putting together a college essay, college application essay. Uh, like you, I have guests on there and, and maybe if you'd like to come on my podcast, we'll, we'll negotiate that. <laughs> awesome. uh, talk, talk to your agent. Um, <laughs> uh, that would be me. But, uh, yeah, well, I'm, okay. <laughs> Uh, but, but, but the pot, my, the way I wanted the podcast to be. And, and when I, when I rolled it out was that I want people to listen to it, not because it's like just some other piece of information that's out there because, Hey, I listened to that and I learned this, or I learned that I could do it. And I was able to show my child this, or I was able to show somebody else this. That's, that's my goal. And the titles somewhat reflect that, you know, this one's about learning this or learning that. Um, I, I think they're, you know, listen, they're mine. So I think they're all great, but you know, I listen to them sometimes because you, know, you have to edit them and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that was actually pretty good. I don't remember saying that, but it came out really well. <laughs> That's always uh, a good thing as opposed to the opposite, yeah, which is, why did I say yeah, that? Right. Well, where, where did that come from? Right. Um, but that, that's the goal. Because yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm thinking in my mind, when I do this podcast, I want to put myself in the situation of a parent who doesn't have the answer and maybe doesn't even know the question. Um, they just, they're, they're struggling because they want to help their child, right? That's what every parent wants. They want their kids to be successful. They want their kids to be unstressed about school. And I, I try to project myself into that space. You know, how would I feel if I had this challenge and how can I help somebody solve that challenge? And that, that's sort of the spirit of it. And I think, I think most of the time we accomplish that or I accomplish that. So that's the goal. Nice. Very nice. So mm -hmm. I got the last two questions, which uh, are just questions I like to ask. Yeah. So here, here we go. If you had the chance to talk with a new class of ninth graders and their parents, what one piece of advice would you give them about being successful in high school? Well, number one, academic at least, have a system, have a plan, know what you're going to do every day to, to deal with the challenges you're going to have uh, and be consistent in how you use that system. And, and then plan ahead. And these really are the same things we've been talking about the, throughout this discussion, right? Um, I think from the kind of just life stage standpoint, that, that's such a big jump. Ninth grade is typically the first year of high school, right? So 
I would just be excited. You know, that's a great time of your life. I, I, I wish I was back in high school sometimes, maybe not socially, <laughs> but um, you know, just, that's just such an exciting time. You, you're, you're starting to become independent. You know, you, you got your own decisions that can be made. Um, it's just such an opportunity to, to really grow and to mature and, and to become an individual. And, and, and you want to welcome that, you know, you don't, you want to welcome that as a, as a really positive challenge. So I would just say, enjoy the process, accept that you're going to have bumps, but be prepared for them because you have the tools you need, or at least you have the resources to get the tools you need to, to deal with them. And that, that's my advice. So. Nice. Excellent. Awesome advice. So here's my last question. Mm -hmm. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? You know, it's an excellent question because like so many of us, there's a list of them. In fact, both my parents were teachers, never my, my teacher, but so maybe the, they're not listening to this, <laughs> but um, I, I, the one that always comes to mind was a guy named Tony Evangelista, um, who was actually one of my mentoring advisors when I was getting uh, my, my, one of my graduate degrees. And um, he, was, he was just a nice guy. And, and I think some of the vibe I try to give off of really caring about students maybe came from him because he really did care. And he was really the first academic to ever say to me, and, and you know, going, going, getting a, a bachelor's degree in education and student teaching, it's always about process, right? You know, you got to have lesson plans and you got to have objectives and you got to manage the classroom and et cetera, which is all important. But he was really the first person to say to me, Steve, you got to reach the kids. You got to reach these kids. You got to make them want to learn. You got to make them be excited. You got to get them to feel your passion. And, and I, I remember that. It was 20-something years ago. And, and what, I, what, what it really taught me quickly was that you could know everything you want. You could, you could know your subject matter in your sleep, back and forth. But if you can't get the students at least somewhat at the same level you are in terms of excitement, it's just an exercise, right? So he was really the guy um, who, who instilled the, the thing that you need the technicals. You need all the, the things that go into making a, a lesson well-planned and well-done and well-executed. But you also have to bring the juice every day. You know, you, teachers don't get off days. I mean, well, of course, we don't work all summer. <laughs> but, I mean, when you're in the classroom, um, you know, you don't get an off day. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what's going on outside. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. And we, we have lives. You know, we have ups and downs. But when you're in front of the class, it's your responsibility to you, you just bring. You got to bring that passion, and 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 that that's what I always thank him for. And he insists on being called Tony. He'd get mad if I called him Doctor Evangelista or whatever. Um, but that that was really it. And I always thank him for that. And 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 uh, you know he actually passed away I think five six years ago. And, and uh, it was you know it was amazing. Uh, I mean, tribute how many people came to his uh, service hundreds. And that's one of the, you know, he touched that many people. So um, that, that's who I would, I would single out there, but no slight to everybody else. <laughs> it's Brooks, my kindergarten teacher, <laughs> nice. whatever, right. so on and so on. That's awesome. That's yeah. a great question though. I, I, I get it. I really, have to, I, I could probably list 10 more. That's if awesome. You had, if you had a couple hours. 
It's it's funny because I when I think about my own answers, what they would be to it, I, there are several who would fit the category, and there's actually you know moments in some of our, their lives where I could actually put a big list together once you had impact. And uh, I, I hope uh, somewhere out there in all the places I've taught, there's some child if you ever ask that question to that might say me. <laughs> nice. um, I mean, so uh, you know, I, I hope at some point I've had that kind of effect on a person. Um, and I, like, it's almost like the first question you asked, right? You know, why do we do it? What right. drive? It's it's really the same thing. You know, it's 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 just that that desire to to see people succeed, and and learning what it takes to create that, create the comfort for a kid to be able to do that, and in the environment to be able to do that. So, you know, that's what it's all about in the end. So hopefully uh, this resonates with people and they get it. And there's X's and O's for sure. And there's T's you got to cross and there's note taking and time management, homework tracking, but, but you, you got to kind of want to do it too, you know, and, and you, you got the tools. My job is to provide the tools and my job is to keep people motivated to use them. So that's how I see it. Excellent. That's excellent. That's a great place to, to bring us to a close. I like what you said there at the end. That's a, it's, you know, this has been fun talking with you, Stephen. I, I can't thank you uh, enough for talking with me today. I've enjoyed it. And, and I encourage listeners to check out your book, Maximum Education, The Ultimate Guide to Re- Reaching Your Academic Goals, and to visit your website and learn more about the services that you provide to help kids be successful. Um, best wishes. Thank you. Hey, have you got some thoughts, questions, or ideas? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me through my email at stephenmiletto at gmail.com. Stephen spelled with a V and Mileto is M-I-L-E-T-T-O. And that's at gmail.com. Or if you're in the United States or Canada, you can call my Google voice number at 478-353-5471. Love to hear from you. Thanks. Take care now. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.